centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pike on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour of Flames Talk is underway with Pike Steinberg. And welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hi, Pike. Hi, Pat. How we doing? It's a it's a beautiful day out. Uh, the, the sun is out. The weather is cooperating. And there's a hockey game on uh, this evening. So I think uh, all told, things are going pretty well. Hey, is, when you're happy, I'm happy. So I'm glad you're happy. I'm, ha- I'm having a pretty good Thursday. So I'm, like uh, I'm pretty excited. Well, there's lots to dive into as the Flames look for their first ever win Thursday night in Las Vegas. And that includes... Uh, what we believe uh, an eighth consecutive start for Jacob Markstrom between the pipes. That's that's the expectation. Um, it was uh, an optional, very optional morning skate on Thursday in Vegas, but uh, all signs pointing to Jacob getting the start once again. We'll confirm that uh, once the team hits the ice for warm-up on Thursday evening. But Markstrom has wrestled back the number one job. I think that is very much clear. And it's not even like he's wrestled it back. They kind of told him, it's yours again. We're going to put our faith in you and see what you can do. And I think that there is a bit of a correlation of when they said that to what we've seen from him for the last two weeks. I also don't think it's a complete and utter coincidence that the birth of his first child with he and his partner um, has coincided to maybe things getting rectified a little bit. I don't know. I, I can't I can't sit here and tell you. Jacob's not going to tell us. But those are two things that have happened right around the same time as all of a sudden Jacob looks a whole lot more like the guy that he used to look like. So Agreed. It, it's, it's been uh, a good run his, for him. And, you know, I'm not going to be that guy, but his body language uh, on the ice just sort of seems a lot more relaxed, less rigid. Uh, you don't see him drifting eight feet out of the net when he's trying to you know move laterally he's he just seems much more in control and relaxed and poised and yeah i I don't think we can ignore the uh the timing completely but i think that i think one of the bigger things was you know they've they've tried what how many different things to get him going it was playing the heck out of him and then okay that wasn't quite working all right let's give vladar a bunch of starts okay now let's go back to markstrom is he better now no okay let's alternate Okay, that's not working. Well, you know what? We're just going to say it's Markstrom's net and tell Markstrom, you're the guy. We believe in you. And I think possibly, you know, based on, you know, how his life has changed, I think that's got to have factored in. But I also think, you know, when your coaching staff comes out and says, you know, here's the baton, it's yours, go with it. I think I think that kind of vote of confidence from them probably goes a long way to uh, taking whatever weight was on his shoulders off. The, well, and I mean... I, I was not even on fully on board with them going down that road. We we I think it was after the Boston game on our post game show when Jacob came in in relief for Vladar after 20 minutes of play. They end up losing that game in overtime, but Jacob came in, stabilized things. Vladar really fought it, um, and Jacob has started every game since, and we haven't seen Vladar since that first period against Boston. And and Derek brought it up on our post game show that night, and said, you know what, 
I think it's time for them to just say, Jacob, the net's yours. We're going to ride with you. You're our ride or die. You're our $6 million goaltender. You're our reigning runner-up to the Vesta Trophy. I know it's been a tough year. We're going to go with you. Lou agreed with them, and I said, no, I'm not ready to go there. And to their credit, that was the right call because he has answered the bell and has proven that that whether they did that or not, and I and I do believe that's kind of what they did. They went to him and said, we're going to go with them. We need you. We need you to get your game closer to where it was. Um, he's responded. He's answered the bell. So while I didn't agree with it at the time and, and thought there was still plenty of reason to go with the guy who's giving you the best chance every single night, to Jacob's credit, in the seven straight starts he's made, and you throw on the the Boston game on top of it, so the I think it's nine straight or ten straight appearances he's made. But since that Boston game, he has proven that night in, night out, he's the best guy. And and if if you were in the what have you done for me lately camp, while every game Jacob has played, he's earned the next one. And to the point yep. where now, I think you're almost you almost have to be back to. Jacob's the one and Vladar's the two. That's that's how well Markstrom's played the last couple of weeks, which does not absolve or or erase the three quarters of the season prior. But you can't also deny that he's played really well of late. Yeah, and if you if you look at the uh the body of work, like if you just if you you know throw out that Boston game, because you know, they got goalie, they probably they deserved a better fate, and just looked at Markstrom's body of work in each game since then, he's been, if not the best flame, probably the one of the one or two best flames in pretty much every game of the last eight. And I think a, that that's, that speaks to why you go out and spend $6 million a year to get a goaltender because he had a, the expectation he had based on his body work to that point was he was pretty good based on last season. I, th- I don't think it's unfair to, to expect him to be one of the flames, best players. And, you know, now he's sort of living up to that reputation. And if the flames have any hope of, of playing past mid April, yeah. he's going to need to keep being that guy. So since he came in, his save percentage is a whole lot closer to what we're used to. The way he's played is a whole lot more like he's used to or like we're used to. I don't think in the seven straight starts that he's made or whatever it is, eight straight starts that he's made. um, I don't think Pike that he has given up a bad goal in that stretch, which is the thing that was plaguing him the most over the first three quarters of the season. So I wanted to ask you this because it's something that, that you brought up when we were getting ready for today's hour. And it's something that I've been saying here for a little while. I think even if the flames miss the playoffs, you know, regardless of what happens, if Jacob Markstrom is able to get his game back and if the final quarter of the season proves to Pike, proves to Daryl Sutter, proves to Jordan, uh, Jason LaBarbera and Jordan Sigalette, uh, proves to Jacob Markstrom that he's back. I think that's a positive and, and that's a win for the Flames. Even yep. if it doesn't get them into the playoffs, I think it's a, it's a win for the Calgary Flames and a huge thing they can take into next season. Yeah, you, you, you and I have discussed it on this program in the past. You know, if, if By they, the way, Seven straight starts, three, three, and one, nine twenty-five save percentage uh, since since this yeah, starting that sounds begun. that sounds about right. That's that sounds about where you want him to be too. Uh, and yeah, like if if they don't make it, then this the end of the season has to be about 
getting things ready for success next year, one way or the other. And sure, you know, we've seen Jacob Pelche come up and, and look like a, a really reliable NHLer. That's a plus. You know, there's a, a, a non-trivial chance we'll see Matt Coronado play his first NHL games. That's yeah. a plus. We've seen Michael Backlund play out of his mind and be consistently out of his mind for the latter half of the season. That's a big plus, especially for a guy who's about to turn 34 tomorrow. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, the, the most important position in hockey to the point where, you know, Brad Living has joked to us that they might as well just call the game goaltending. Goalie, just call it goalie. Uh, but yeah, like it's, if, if it's so important to have that stabilizing presence that if the only, if I, I'm with you, if the, if the only thing, Great. It's not going to be the only thing, but if the the main thing that this quarter of the season accomplishes is that he feels ten feet tall and like George Vesna reborn, heading into the summer, heading into a summer of preparation and training, and heading into next year's training camp, that's huge because the Flames didn't have that. The Flames didn't have goalies with swagger pretty much until like now this season, and that's that's a lot of the big reasons for why they are where they are. So if you if you end up having that from game one next season, that's a huge, huge bonus. Yeah, I agree. And and I think I think it extends to other players as well, but Jacob's been the most maligned of the group. Uh, I think him and Huberto have been the two that I think have had yeah. the largest negative spotlight on them for the first three quarters of the season. And I just, knowing the, the affinity I have for Jacob as a goaltender, I'm a big fan of his. I have been for the last number of years prior to him signing in Calgary. I thought it was a great move by the team to sign him to that 6 by 6 deal. I thought it was a home run contract at the time, and I thought the first two seasons he lived up to what they needed from him, uh, save for that one dip in the the 56-game season based on injury. Yeah, in the the bubble season, I mean, you know, if 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 Tanner Pearson crashes into your noggin, I don't expect you to be great at your job for a little while afterwards either. Otherwise, he's lived up to his end of the bargain prior to the first three quarters of this season. And if he can, if he can even take that confidence into the off season and, and it proves that it was too little too late this year. Yes, that sucks. And I still think that this season is a failure if they miss the playoffs, but one of the silver linings or one of the positives you can take out of it is that maybe your big ticket goaltender has got his game back. And one of the things that I have been saying all year long, and not everybody has agreed with me, and I understand that, but my take all year long, even when I wasn't fully confident going back to him and saying, yes, just put him back in as your number one, I've been pretty consistent with, Good goalies have bad seasons. Good goalies have dips. And if you're a good goalie with a track record and a resume of five or six years of being one level, and then you dip to a completely different level, usually you get back to the level that you've proven to be. And we've seen it with all kinds of goalies, whether it's Jonathan Quick or Carey Price or Cam Talbot or Henrik Lundqvist or whoever you want to point to. There have been plenty of guys that have had that happen, and they, they usually bounce back. Goalies are anything but a science, but I buy far more into the five years prior to this year, five or six years prior to this year from Markstrom than I do the first three quarters of this season. And so I'm hoping that what we're seeing from him here in the final quarter of the season, A, continues for the next 14 games or however many of them he starts, and B, is him getting back to the form we all expect from him. Yeah, and you know it's uh, goaltending is weird, man. Like it's the it's, dumbest position it's, in sports. It, it's the like imagine any other position, like any other position, like let's put it this way: Andrew Manchapani 
his shooting percentage has cratered this year. He's still scoring, but nowhere close to where he was before. Correct. But under Mangiapane also has another 17 guys on the ice, on the bench with him, who can also try to score. If your goalie is just not having a great year, and unfortunately the Flames have a goalie who's not having a great year, and a 25-year-old goalie who's still kind of figuring out what he is, I mean, you don't have a lot of margin for error. And so next season, the Flames will have a, what, 31, 32-year-old starting goalie, and a 26-year-old guy who's still, mm-hmm. to be fair, still trying to figure out what he is at the NHL level. So you're, you're going to have a lot better season if the the big dog comes in and he's feeling like a big dog compared to, you know, a bunch of guys trying to figure out what they're doing. So, I mean, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Goaltending is so weird. I, you know, we'll, we'll talk to, uh, you know, a, a guest later this hour who can tell us all about how weird that position is, but it's like, it's such a, it's such a a vicious position at times because it's so unforgiving when things aren't going your way. I'm curious how they do manage the final 14 games. If they stay in it, uh, how many of the final 14 does Markstrom get? I don't think he should get all of them. I still think you got to manage it. I still think workload and, and fatigue is a factor. And I still think there will be nights like next week on a second half of a back-to-back against Anaheim, for instance, where going to Vladar will make sense. I don't think Markstrom starting the entire way is the way to go, I, but I do think a lot of the games is probably what we're going to see. I think if there's a mathematical path to uh, to getting an X next to their name, I think every game they have to seriously consider putting him in. But if those if the math gets worse and worse for them and it becomes less of a narrow path and more of a cliff then maybe you do look at sort of managing a bit more. So this is how what I will throw at you. Okay, so say that you're, you're the, the choice is between 14 games of Markstrom, and he starts all of them between now and the end of the season, but because that fatigues him, you get Markstrom at 85%, or you get 12 games of Markstrom where he's at 95% or 100% because you're not worrying about fatigue and Vladar starts two of them. I'm taking the latter all day. I think I think you have to. I think you have and to. And that's what I worry yeah. about. And Jacob's never going to go to them and say I feel tired. If it's up to him, he'd play 82 games. Exactly. So I think the Flames have to observe and manage the workload and kind of that th- they might have to step in a couple of times and say and How how long has it been since Dan Vladar played and won a game? I don't remember. It's been a while now. The the, the, the longer right the, the longer it goes between him getting in that's that's when you get nervous because like it's it's kind of a t- I I can kind of wrap my head around both perspectives the perspective of Ladar's you know, last win was Arizona in Arizona on February twenty second so it's been almost a month yeah yeah probably by the time he ends up playing again it'll be it'll be about a month I mean it's it's a tough the balancing act is tough and I mean if you if you tell if you're Jason LaBarber you say Pat we're putting in all you're putting in marks from all twelve because we need all the wins I'd go. Yeah, I guess, but what about what? What? When are you going to put in Vladar? And the rebuttal might be something along the lines of, "Well, Dan hasn't played in a month, and we think it's really tough to throw a kid who hasn't, you know, played a lot into a situation where you need a win when he's cold, when he hasn't played in one in a month." Mm-hmm. So I'm, but I still think they need to put him in. If you ask me, where they put him in, I'd say soon. I'd say probably as soon as you can. That's that's why I like that back to back because that might be the easiest place to put him in, but. Coming out of that back-to-back, depending on how you do against L.A., you might still need another two points. You're almost definitely going to need two points against Anaheim. And I know it's a winnable game for him, but it's also an Anaheim team that the Flames lost to at home. 
I, they did. I, I remember it vividly. Um, if they stay in it, then I don't think we're seeing Wolf. But if there's four or five games remaining and they're clearly out of it or eliminated, then I do think Dustin Wolf deserves some games this year. But that's and the caveat. They've got to be out of it. But if Dustin Wolf gets two or three starts once they're out of it, I think it is a great reward for him. Some NHL money, an opportunity to get his start. We it, it will not be the be all and end all. He can be great or he can be not well, great. No, no matter what happens, if he gets two or three games and he's going back to the rank, he's going back to win sport uh, to play some playoff hockey for the. For and the I just team. think that would it would be even bigger boost of confidence for him to help the Wranglers go deep. I I, yeah. I do think Wolf deserves some some starts, but only if they're out of it. Yeah, and you know we we know he's going to be playing a lot. We know like. Right now, the the two best teams in the entire American Hockey League are Coachella Valley, the the Seattle Kraken Farm team, and the Wranglers, and they're neck and neck. It's going to be you know fight to the very last weekend of the season to be the top seed. That might be one of the things they have to balance, though, because if you're a Dustin Wolf hot weekend away from being the division winner and getting a bye, versus having to play an extra three or four games, mm-hmm. maybe you say sorry, Dustin, we're not sending him to the big club because. We think it's important for you to help us win That's the division. That's also fair. So I don't know. I, there's there's a lot of variables. This is why I wouldn't want to be uh, Jordan Siglet or Jason LaBarbera because that that's a like those are some tough decisions and a lot of juggling to do. And Wolf has played a ton this year. He's going to end. He's up, he's the busiest goalie in that league by a country mile. And they're not playing like the 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 Pacific Division now plays the same amount of games as everybody else. Remember there was that stretch there where they didn't and they had an unbalanced and they it was a weird less. schedule. It was so strange. And now the Pacific plays 72 just like everybody else does. There was a couple of years there when they were in Stockton. They, where they, they had like, like 64 and 56 or 68 or something. And then and everybody else played 72. And so the points were determined by points percentage and not like the standings were and not by actual points. So at least in what it was so strange. I, as an aside, I really love how weird the AHL's playoffs are. So in the in the the Wranglers division, seven teams make the playoffs. The first place team gets an automatic bye to the quarterfinals of that conference, of that division. And then the other six teams play series against each other and then the the division winner gets the weakest surviving team. So it's A, a lot of teams make it. I think there's only a couple teams that don't make the playoffs in the Pacific division, yep. but B for, there's an actual like it's not like the NHL playoffs where oh great you get to play a wild card team that had to battle their way in no you get to you get to have like a weekend off or like four or five days off to rest and recover and game plan for whoever you're playing it's it's a as much as I love the NHL's playoff format and I wouldn't want to change it substantially I do kind of like the idea of having a bit more of an incentive for the division winners. But that's that's a complete aside. But I think I think that's yeah. one of the many variables weighing on the flames regarding whether or not we see Dustin Wolf. Best of threes in hockey are like would be terrifying as the higher seed because all it takes is one off night for your goaltender or one guy being sick or whatever. And now you're now all of a sudden you lose one and you're facing elimination and you could be a number one seed or a number two seed one bad night. And in the NHL where parity has never been higher, best of threes would be just the most terrifying thing ever. Best of sevens. We see enough. If your your goalie has a good weekend or theirs is a bad weekend, that's the difference. Precisely. Um, Lots else to dive into here. Flames are 0-7-1 in eight career games on the road in Vegas. 
Uh, Thursday is their ninth game on the road in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. I think it would be big if they picked up a win there. I think it would be big for this season. I think it would be big just to no longer have that story every time you go there, and you'll be going there at least once, if not twice a year, every single year, being in the division. So, I, I mean, yeah, it would be big if they won, but it is – they played their best game ever there the last time on they, February they, they 23rd. They led for about half the game. and They almost won but didn't. Ooh. Why – why has it been so difficult for them to win there? Why well, has that been such an Achilles heel? Because the house always wins in Vegas, Pat. No, oh, I mean, I mean, okay. the the the, uh, the the Golden Knights have always had a, a pretty strong home record. They have, you know, I think I don't think you can dispel completely the the factor that the crowd is loud and you know, and they're you know, if if we get past the intangibles, I mean, they're a good team. They are. And when you have that kind of high-end talent on your team and you have, a co- have coaches who are always willing to match very aggressively, it's it can be tough. I mean, the, you know, Vegas has shortened their benches at times at, in, at home. They've, you know, really stacked up their power play units. They've, they, they mix and match in Vegas. You know, they've been very, very blessed with good coaches and it's really helped them. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know if you're you get hemmed in your own zone or you get behind the eight ball against that team, they're not afraid to go for your your jugular and yep. you know more. I say more so than a lot of teams, and you know it's that building is sort of part of the team's identity. It's sort of they, the the golden misfits sort of they embraced it, and now it's one of the more intimidating places to to play. It's it's kind of funny that this road trip involves the Flames going to college at ASU <laughs> in like the the weirdest smallest building in the in the league and then going to one of the more gorgeous terrifying buildings in the league at T-Mobile because, you know, same, you know, same division, same same region of the country, completely different vibes and, you know, no one no one is looking forward to it's, I think hockey is the only context where no one's looking forward to a trip to Vegas. They are a tough team to play there, although not so much this year. They have been less of a factor and less difficult to play against uh, at home this year. They're 21-7-5 and away from home, 21-13-1 uh, and at home. It's not like they got a bad home record, but they are significantly better and have gotten points on a more regular basis on the road as opposed to at home. So it hasn't been as intimidating you, to play you mean, in Vegas you mean, this year. You mean they found, a, they found a cure for the Vegas flu? Maybe somebody has found a cure for the Vegas. Maybe, maybe the maybe the secret is stay off strip. Although I don't think I think the Flames stay on the strip. I think yeah, they, they, they have Most that, teams that one. Stay at the Waldorf. Yeah, I believe. yeah, they have the Waldorf, and there's that one hotel sort of in the middle by City Center where uh, everybody stays. The the one that is in a casino. That's the Waldorf. That's the Waldorf. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it's in behind the one with the waterfall. Well, there's also Vidara that's in there as well. Yeah, a, I always I always mix up Vidara with the other one. The Waldorf does not have a casino. It was the. Mandarin, uh, Mandarin Oriental, Man- yeah, and then called, they changed management, they, so it changed names exactly. or something. Exactly. So then Waldorf went in there, and they've got it's a swanky place that I don't even think they'd let me in. Every, every time I go there, the sir, this, sir, no, hey, you're wearing a graphic tee. We don't have the time security just walks up to you and he's like, "Would you leave without a fuss right now, sir?" You're like, "I just want to take a picture of the fountain sir, and I'll leave." No, no. So we we see who you are. We you're see. making the guests uncomfortable, sir. Time for you to leave, sir. Um, We've I all believe, been there. Yeah. There's a, there's a few that don't have casinos on the strip, but Wal- I believe Waldorf is where most of the NHL teams uh, end up staying in Vegas. Um, power play is where we'll finish this uh, before we get to Kron and some techs because power play 
isn't starting to become a problem. It has just been a problem for I mean, quite some time here. I mean, all you know, let's let's call a spade a spade. If you take away a Sean Monahan and a Johnny Gaudreau and a Matthew Kachuk, yeah, your power play is going to look a little bit different. But I mean, it's been in terms of you know, we, you can you can look at the results, and the results are the Flames. I think by percentage, you probably have it open in front of you. Are middle of the road to bottom third of the league. They're used, they've been hovering somewhere between fifteenth to twenty something most of the year. They haven't. You know, last year Flames were top ten in power play, top ten in penalty kill, top ten in even strength goals against, top ten in even strength goals for. You know, that's kind of what Daryl Sutter wanted to be. He thinks that you're top third in the league and everything. You're probably going to be where you want to be. The, the Flames penalty kill has been good to very good. You know, the it's been a little bit uh, snake bit lately because I'm going to say it's goaltending, but I think a lot of it has been some goaltending challenges. The power play, though, has been sort of, eh, you know, middle of the ro- middling to poor for much of the year. They've tried a bunch of different guys. They've tried different combinations. They've tried all kinds of things. I mean, you know, let's... They're at the point now where there's a lot of games you can think of where a bad power play or a power play that gave up a shorthanded goal has really, really hurt them at key times. And same, you know, that's what happened in Arizona where it was just, you know, Nazem Kadri couldn't get the puck off his stick fast enough to Mackenzie Weger, and all of a sudden two on one. And if you mm-hmm. let Clayton Keller have a clean look at your net, you're doing something wrong because he'll he'll hurt you. And you know, the, they had chances to put it in the Arizona net, plenty of them. They had they've had plenty of chances in the power play throughout much of the season. And, you know, there's been too many games where you look at you know, the Flames' results and you go, hmm, they had a power play goal in any of these three or four power plays. The game's completely different. And I don't know if it's something that gets fixed between now and the end of the year. It's It's been a season-long problem since about the early stages of the year where everything seemed to be positive. Since then, it's been a real, real problem yeah, for this it's, group. And it's, it's, you can't say they haven't tried different things. Like they've, they've you know, they, they've, the they, they've times. like they put, they put, you know, bless his heart, they've put a guy who was on the, you know, fourth line for a good period of time, uh, Adam Razichka, on the power play. Milan Lucci just made cameos in the power play. Jacob Pelche went from the American Hockey League to the power play because they wanted to get some, I guess, probably some young legs, some gumption in there. Didn't quite work out. They've had, you know, Nick Ritchie going from, Arizona to the Flames power play and then the press box. Uh, you know, they've, they've done so many things, you know, they've, they've changed up the D they've changed up, you know, they've gone, you know, two D three forwards. They've gone like, I think the only thing they haven't tried is five forwards. At this point, I'm kind of going, well, what else are you going to do? Like they're, <laughs> I'm at the point where I, you know, I've kind of thrown my hands up in the air and go, maybe, maybe we need to have take more of a deep dive on this in the, in the off season, because like, it's, it's been so weird that a team with, you know, so many good offensive players, at least on paper, guys that, you know, really, you know, we, we talk about their, their struggles at five on five to generate offense. The power play, if it's working reasonably well, even if you don't score, your puck, your puck touching guys, the guys who are driving the bus for your offense, they get those reps, they get those touches, they get those shots, and they get a feel for, you know, being in that zone and making decisions with the puck. And they, it just hasn't really had any kind of consistent positive outcomes. Few texts at 960-960. This says, um, hey, look, guys, the Flames are in this position every year. They're done for the year. It's time to bring up the kids and see what they've got. Stop preaching false hope. Yeah, Pike, stop preaching false hope. I don't think that's what we're doing. I think more what we're doing right now is the Flames aren't waving white flags at this point. 
So while they're not going to wave the white flag, and at five points back of a playoff spot with 28 points still on the table, I don't think they should be waving the white flag. I fully get that the math is not pretty, and the odds would suggest they're going to miss, but I don't think that it's time to be waving the white flag, and thus I don't think it's time to give up on the season, and thus I don't think it's time to bring in a bunch of young players because, A, you still got to be cap compliant, and, and B, there's a Wranglers team that, to Pike's point earlier, is still trying to win a Pacific Division title. They're, That's they're, important, they're too. Go, they're going to be legitimately, you know, and to plug for our friends over that building – Good seats still available. There's a, that's a team that's going to be contending for the Calder Cup. Like they're, they're, if you're thinking, oh man, I want to watch a championship series in Calgary, you might be able to see one this year. It'll be in the AHL, but you'll still be able to see one. So that's important. I mean, for, as a developmental tool, we heard Daryl, you know, talk about it a lot over the course of the year of how important it is to have you know guys who have success before they move up. There's a ton of guys in that organization who are going to have some success in that minor leagues team this year and potentially play into June. So I, I, if I were them, to Pat's point, I'd be kind of hesitant to do too much to muck around with what's working because what's working is working extremely well right now. Yeah, and I just, I think that needs to come into play. And you know what? At some point this year, if they continue scuffling along and, and not being able to meaningfully make up ground, then I do think it'll be time to give a few young players the opportunity. I don't believe that they're there yet. And this says, guys, appreciate the focus on Markstrom, but I'm way more concerned about Kadri and Huberdo going forward. And if those guys are able to also find their game in the final quarter, I think the same conversation we just had about Markstrom applies to them. He's Pike. I'm Pat. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk to find out more visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate hey it's george russick and maddie rose we host the big show with russick and rose if you miss us weekday mornings on sports at 960 to fan first of all shame on you second of all download the podcast on demand so many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite nhl nfl cfl mlb the stories that sports fans in calgary want to hear we got it for you we are the big show Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to go inside hockey on this Thursday edition of the program. Inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Well, we tried to chat with this gentleman last week inside hockey. But we were having all kinds of technical issues. But this week, we're all good. It's time to say hello to our NHL goaltending analyst, the one, the only. Brent Cron is with us inside hockey right now. Hi, Croner. Hey, thank God your phones work today. Hey? Oh, you're telling me that was uh, one of the most stressful days I can ever remember doing this dumb job. So, uh, yeah, was, you was, know, it must suck talking to yourself for four hours, hey? especially when you're talking to me. Like, at least if yeah. it were somebody who had good conversational skills or was interesting or had anything noteworthy to say, it would be different. But it's me. Who wants to talk to me for two hours? They should have given you a free six bottles of wine at uh, the wing-off so you could have uh, enjoyed yourself. They should have. I should get a medal for having to talk to me for two yeah. hours. A Purple Heart Courageous <laughs> oh, that's, Award. Oh, you just t- took it to a whole new level. Well done. Uh, how are you, buddy? What's going on? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm... Uh, 
You know, I've had a long day, Pat. I'm not going to lie. Oh. I've had a long day yesterday. Uh, I've had to uh, deal with people's ineptitude, probably mostly my own. But uh, but the 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 biggest the, the two largest weaknesses I have as a human being is I care too much and I work too hard, right? And then I mean, and that's just known throughout. For the people See, I know that, some that, of that your other weaknesses that I can't talk about. <laughs> well, you, well, no, no, we're not going there. Because <laughs> uh, I've mastered those. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but the other ones, the two that I spoke about uh, immediately here, uh, you know, it, it, it's just, uh, you know, it's wearing on me. You know, I care. I have a big heart. You know that. You do. And, uh, and, I, and, and, and stupidity irritates me. And, uh, and I'm being irritated by stupidity for the last uh, 48 hours. What are you doing on this show, then, if stupidity irritates you? Well, I came here to rag on you two. Um, well, so, uh, poor, poor, Ryan, poor Ryan Pike, has, he's just a nice boy, so don't, don't rag on him. Just, oh, he's on, too? Yeah, yeah just, just me. Just me. Go, go at me. Come after oh. me. I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> I'm 40. And, and and we're going to talk about the Allen Iverson. It's just practice, man. Just settle down. It's just practice, right? I do have to ask you, uh, because I, I know that you have not, especially this season, been a big Jacob Markstrom believer, and I think that there's 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 good reason for it. Uh, we're expecting him to make an eighth consecutive start uh, against Vegas. And it, it feels like, at least from this vantage point, that's just me. You've played the position. I have not. It, it looks like he has gotten a whole lot closer to the Jacob Markstrom we remember. But I'm curious your uh, observations and, and whether you're seeing a better Jacob Markstrom over the last couple of weeks here. A million percent. But, like, it's easy to critique what's gone on. Um, like, like we discussed here two weeks ago after your phone issues, that uh, um, they missed the boat on Vladar. And then when they actually came out and said, well, we're going to give guys an opportunity here, well, you, you know what, and, and you say what you want, that got into his head, and now he's not really, he's good, but now you have to go with, with, with Markstrom. And, but having said that, he's been actually remarkable. Uh, uh, and, and even that game against uh, Phoenix, like there were so many glaring mistakes the Flames made. In front of him, yeah. And, Oh man, they were just—they were terrible. And and then to have—I uh, mean, I watched the first two periods, and I mean, I couldn't watch anymore in that, that Western League uh, hockey arena that they were playing in. <laughs> and and then I went to bed. But it's—it's it's, it's like, well, now you know, and it's easy to say, well, now he decides to play well. Well, there's no deciding about it. It's just that room can be suffocating if you're not doing well. And then uh, he has an opportunity to actually really not care about hockey so much because he had the, the birth of his first child, which is awesome. And all of a sudden you stop caring about what people tell you, what they think about you. You stop caring about um, other people's opinions. And you just kind of go out there and have fun. You're like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, I get to play hockey for a living. And it's not a tough life. It's the, you're, you're under a lot of scrutiny. But I also have a kid that uh, thinks I'm awesome every night when I come home. So, you know, your, your, your perspective changed. It changed mine. My my first one, and now we just go out there and having fun, and that's awesome. Except the Flames can't score a goal to save their life when they need it, and and uh, even though they scored three goals, you know, great uh, against the Coyotes the other day. They still lost four three in overtime, and now they're going again in uh, in Vegas. The building, correct me if I'm wrong, but they have not won. Correct. In. And uh, you know what? Are they going to win tonight? Probably not. 
who knows? I mean, with with this group, they're so all over the place. They're so Jekyll and Hyde that uh, I I could absolutely see them going in and beating Vegas and and losing a couple of other games against teams that that are way below Vegas in the standings. It's been that type of year for them. And and the way like I, I take a look at I take a look at that game in Minnesota where Jacob Markstrom won the game single handedly. That's that's a night that we've been waiting for all year for him. I, I could see him doing the same thing against Vegas because the Golden Knights are are that type of team. They they are a team that can get you back on your heels and, and just start feeling it, especially in that building and, and that momentum builds. I think they're gonna need him to be that level, or there's a good chance they're gonna need him to be pretty close to that level. Hundred percent. He can do it. We all know he can do it, but what what uh you know he like he he's been on a bit of a roll here, and uh, you know he he willed that game uh, against Minnesota in Minnesota uh, with that one nothing win in the mm-hmm. shootout. I mean, there's no reason why he couldn't do it again, but you you know you can't pick your spots, and and just the way that things have been going for the Flames this season, it doesn't even matter. Like he, it took him this long to win a game. Great, he did that with, uh, last season. He did, he did like nine times in the first thirty games he played. Right, so you you get out, you get yourself off to a head start. You're you're not working. You're basically trying to dig up right now, and 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 they they're hanging around. They have an opportunity to get in the playoffs. You know they're 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 chasing Winnipeg. Nashville's got games in hand. You need something to to, to budge here. And but you know, like, but all season long, the whole team hasn't pulled on the rope in the same direction. Like you 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 know. You know, Vladar was hot there. He didn't lose in 13 games. They win games. Markstrom goes in. They can't score. You know, they, the, 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 the Flames can score two goals. They lose 3-2. The Flames score three goals. They lose 4-3. It's like you can't get a consistent effort. You can't get consistent wins. You can't put a streak together. And yet you're still kind of hanging around, which is, like, for me, as a fan, watching this team, they, they're the, like, the worst team in the National Hockey League. They have no chance. Because in my mind, the way they played this season, it's like, well, they're down with Columbus and San Jose. But they're not. They're like, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think four or five points out of a playoff spot right now. And you're like, well, the way I watch the team is they've been a tire fire all season long. And, and, and the fact that they still have an opportunity to, to, to be around and do what they're doing is spectacular. And so all it takes is, 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 you know, that Markstrom game against Minnesota. But you need more than one of those games. Or right. you need, who knows, to fully score four goals. Or somebody to kind of break out and pelt you to do something and, and whatever. But the team needs to get going as a group, not just as an individual one night here or there, which they haven't had. I do, uh, I do wonder, because you talked about the the birth of of Jacob and his partner's first child, and and how that can change perspective, and and you kind of related it to how you know you you kind of went through the same thing after you know you and your wife had your first child, and and you were playing. I'm curious too because it sure does feel like the Flames went to Jacob going into the final quarter of the season and said. We need you. We need you to be our guy, and we're going to go with you, and we're going to make it so that you are our guy. I wonder how that vote of confidence or, or having a team put their faith in you like that, I, I wonder what that can do for a guy's mindset as well. Depends who you are. I think for a guy like Mark Smith, you go and tell him that you're the guy, um, I think it works against them without even like, and then this is just completely my opinion. No, not based on absolutely anything. 
just the way he plays. He seems like a bit of a basket case between the ears, and he's been like that, not like Jack Campbell basket case, but Jacob Markstrom basket case where you get a guy in the zone, he's untouchable, he's good, but that kind of wears off, and it's worn off with Jacob Markstrom where he he needs to find his niche as being a number one goaltender, and he, he's got the skill, he's got the capability, he's been a number one here for the last little bit, but they go to him and tell him he's the number one guy. I don't know if that helps him. I think, honestly, in my opinion, I think he's a guy that you got to tell you're fighting for the number one position. And, and you know, Vladar coming in and being unbeaten in 13 games, you know, it didn't make Markstrom play any better. So that, so my point kind of goes out the door. But telling him that he's the number one guy hasn't really settled him down either. I honestly think I go back to the fact that, you know what, hockey's not that big of a deal. Like, we, we all on our coaches love to uh, eat, sleep, and breathe uh, what players are doing, and I am guilty as the next because I have my own opinions. But when you have a kid, like, like hockey, who gives a, you know, a rat's behind what, what, what's going on? It's like, well, I'm just going to go out there and have fun. Like, I, I'm able to support my family. I'm able to do a job that I love. I want to play long enough so my son or, or daughter can see me play hockey. And I think he can he can put put aside you know the the uh, the old uh, the old uh, Daryl uh, you know horse eye behind him when he gets crusty because a bad goal goes in or something happens or he's got to go into practice and listen to uh, you know all the mistakes he makes. I'm pretty sure he doesn't care anymore because he's he's a player in the National Hockey. He's got a long term contract and he's worth it. And he just needs to be able to do that on a consistent basis. And uh, you know now now it's you're 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 kind of going into a part of the season now where all the odds are against you. So you can take that pressure off. You've had a bad year. You've underperformed, and now you can you still have a chance to get into the playoffs. And you need to be the Flames' best player in order to do so. And I was having a conversation with a few guys here over the last couple of days. Uh, a, you know, a handful of guys that have played way more games in National Hockey than I have. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you can have all the best players on the planet, but if you don't have a goaltender that can stop a puck, it doesn't matter. And Markstrom hasn't been able to wheel a tire down a hill, like I've said here, for quite some time, and now he's all of a sudden decided to figure it out. And who knows if that can salvage the flame season just to get in the door. They have a small window, or they have a crack to get in, and it's uh, really up to him to, uh, to to save the season. Before we let you go, I just wanted to make sure you could get your thoughts on uh, Jordan Bennington out there. Man, you know what? I wish that guy didn't win a Stanley Cup because I would like to see somebody beat the wheels off of that guy the way he operates. I would love to see it. But you know what? He's got that excuse. Well, I know, I'm, uh, you know the old Patrick Wild, my two Stanley Cups are plugging my ears when Jeremy Rohner called him out. And, you know, and fair enough, you got the ultimate trump card. But just stop the puck because, you know, if he played in the era – you know, if he was playing with Billy Smith or Ronnie Hextall or Jerry Cheevers or, or, you know what, Felix Potvin, for crying out loud, he would be beaten into the dirt. And that crap that, you know, like, Berube doesn't even stand for either. So what I would like to honestly see is just somebody just four goals a game and just jump him and beat the you-know-what out of him because it, that crap just drives me nuts. And Flurry the other night, he knew Bennington wasn't going to go because he's a phony. And that's what you're going to play, you know, Fair enough. You know, the flowers got big teeth. You could punch those in, too. I'm not a giant fan. I love what he's done. Don't get me wrong, but he's a bit of a mouthpiece himself. 
but Bennington needs to be stopped. And I don't know who's going to do it, but somebody's got to set him straight. And you know what? Uh, I, I never got into a fight with Pat, so I, I'm talking super tough here right now. <laughs> but, uh, but I might have to do the old uh, uh, the people's elbow off the top of the Jumbotron next time St. Louis comes to town because I cannot stand it anymore. It makes my blood boil. My kids, my wife, everybody knows. I cannot stand watching that. Gentlemen, and I use that term loosely because I have another term in mind, but that's going to earn me a beef and a two-month suspension from Sportsnet, too, uh, of the way he operates. Just stop the puck and shut your mouth and stop trying to pretend you're tough because you're not. You have delivered. I was pretty sure that you were uh, going to have something, but you were ready and well done. Uh, And I think many have that same opinion. The act has worn so thin on that guy. It's a joke. Pat, it yep. is an absolute joke. Take that guy's badge away and throw him away, like into the ditch. <laughs> I don't care. Get lost, or or you know what? Just just somebody beat him up. His own teammates could beat the crap out of him because it's embarrassing for the Blues to watch this guy continue on. That face is a face you want to punch. He's not a good-looking person. It won't make him any uglier or <laughs> uglier, <laughs> uglier. Sorry, it just drives me insane. Take the mask off and just. Uh, I don't know. Do whatever. I just I hate every second of it. <laughs> uh, bye, Cron. Uh, there's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. Croner, uh, bring in the heat on Jordan Bennington to wrap it all up. Uh, that'll wrap us up this hour for Cron, for Pike, for our producers, Cam and Taylor. I'm Pat. Uh, this has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com.